Welcome to Mosaic Church, and thank you for joining us here online. To prepare for today's message, we encourage you to utilize the Mosaic Cincinnati app. There, you can view the message notes, put in prayer requests, and so much more. Enjoy the message. Uh, but turn in your Bibles to Judges chapter 4 today. Judges chapter 4, we're going to look at a lady named Deborah. All right? And so the story is all about Deborah today. But if you haven't been here for a while or you've missed out on the, the summer mixtape series, I just want to give you a, a quick insight into what this is all about. During this series, we're, gonna, we're looking at the growth journeys of a lot of different people in the Old Testament. And, and one thing that you'll see as we look at these stories is that life and leadership are an adventure. They really are. And if you're like me, you know, when you grew up, life was not so much maybe like you expected. Um, and there's a lot of twists and turns and, and ups and downs along the way. But one thing I've, I've realized, the older I get, the more I realize I don't know, right? And so there's huge gaps in all of us between who we are and who God wants us to be. We're in the, and there's these gaps, and, and, and every year I see more gaps in my life. I see more blind spots and things that, that I just need to keep working on and giving to Jesus and laying at his feet. And so I love looking at other people's stories because it's kind of this process of seeing how God used them, how God spoke to them, and how God sometimes shines a spotlight on our blind spots. And so we're in this lifelong pursuit of becoming more like Jesus. The day that we try, stop trying to close that gap and stop trying to become more like Jesus is a scary day for our future because healthy things grow. And so hopefully your mindset, uh, not just during this series, but in your life following Jesus, hopefully your mindset is one that is seeking to close the gap. We wanna seek to close the gap because God wants to take you somewhere. God wants to take you somewhere. And the question is, are you ready and willing? Are you ready to, to surrender and say, God, wherever you want to take me, let's go, right? So that's the big question. Ted, if you wouldn't mind just bringing up the lights just a little bit so we can see our Bibles and, and, and take notes well. But God wants to take you somewhere. Coasting is not an option, right? We're going to continue to push forward into God's best for our life. And so at the beginning of the story, like so many other stories in the book of Judges, you know, it says, again, the people did evil in the Lord's sight. And so Judges chapter four, verse one, you can check it out. It's not on the screens, but it's the same story once again. And we find ourselves in the same place. And so once again, the Lord turned the Israelites over to an, an, an oppressing force. This time it was King Jabin, and then Cicero was the leader of his army, and they had 900 iron chariots. And at this time in history, that was like tanks versus horses, right? They, they, it was a huge advantage that they had these iron chariots that were, that were uh, virtually indestructible, and, and it just gave them a huge advantage in war. And so the Israelites were shaken in their boots, scared as can be. Man, we also see this pattern in Romans chapter one where when people resist God and when people continue to do things that aren't pleasing to God and, and they know about God and they know the right thing to do, eventually God just says, okay, I'm gonna give you over to your desires and I'm gonna give you, I'm just gonna let you do what you're doing. And I know that that's hard sometimes because it's like, God, why don't you just, why don't you just you know, make us do good? And, and sometimes we think, man, why can't I fight these, these bad desires and these bad habits in me? But once again, it just underlines the fact how much you and I need Jesus. You can't do it on your own. 
And so just like it talks about in Romans chapter one, when people just continue to resist God, eventually God just takes his hands off and, 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 and gives us over to these evil desires. And, and that's what happened to the Israelites too. And so 20 years this time it took of oppression for them to turn back to God and say, okay, God, we give up trying to do this on our own. We need you back in our lives again. And so the things that I wanna point out during this story of Deborah this week I want to point out to you the kind of people that God uses. What kind of people does God use to help lead people? What kind of people does God use to to take charge and to point the direction and to, to be used in his hands to bring about change? Because I don't know about you, but when I look around our world and everything that's going on in it, I see that, man, we need change. It can't stay how it is. And God has put you and God has put me in our lives for a purpose for such a time as this to bring about change in our sphere of influence. You might not be able to change things on the other side of the world. You might not be able to change things on the other other side of the street, but you can change things where you're at in your sphere of influence with the people that you know and that come to you. And so the first thing that we see in the story, Deborah, is that God uses whoever he wants. Sometimes we like to think, well, God won't use that person because fill in the blank. They don't speak well. They don't look good. They kind of smell a little bit. You know, we come up with all kinds of reasons. They're not the right this. They're not the right that. You know, oh, that's not the right candidate. But man, this story proves, hey, God's going to use whoever he wants, whenever he wants. So in Judges 4, 4 through 5, it tells us that Deborah, the wife of Lapidoth, was a prophet who was judging Israel at that time. And she would sit under the palm of Deborah. This lady had a tree named after her. That's pretty cool. The palm of Deborah, right? Isn't that awesome? Between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites would go to her for judgment. They would go to her for judgment. Listen, when you have influence... People come to you. How do you know that you're that maybe God, you're a leader and, and, and God has set you apart? When people start coming to you for advice, when people start coming to you and asking you about life. And that had happened with Deborah. It was all over her. She was recognized by the fact, not just by title, not just by you know worldly standards, but by the fact that people were coming to her for advice and judgment. She had influence. She was a leader. And what makes this so extraordinary in this context is she was living in a patriarchal society where usually men were the leaders, where usually, you know, women were second-class citizens at this time. But in the kingdom of God and in the family of God, man, it was so clear by God's action and by God's appointment that God could use anybody, whoever he wants, whenever he wants. I love that. Isn't that awesome? You know, you may not know, but several women served as prophets throughout the Bible. We see Miriam in Exodus, Huldah in 2 Kings, Noadiah in Nehemiah, Anna in in Luke, and and the four daughters of Philip in Acts chapter 2. And so this isn't new. This isn't an exception to the rule. This isn't just something that just happened one time. No, God used and spoke through women all throughout Scripture, and it's amazing. And it just underlines the fact that God can use whoever he wants. She wasn't just a prophet who speaks for God. She was also a judge. 
which was the leadership position of Israel at that time because it had not, it had not come the time where Israel cried out to God for a, for a king, which God didn't want to give them anyway, but he relented and gave them a king. This was before that. And so at this time, judge was it. She was at the top of the leadership ladder in Israel. Listen, in Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 29, prophecy about the Old Testament. It said, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. Right? And so by her example, she was a leading pioneer in the fact that God wants to use everybody. He wants to use everybody, that, that you don't have a, a more access to the throne room of God and the voice of God than I do just because I have the title pastor. You don't. Or I, I don't have more access than you do. The ground is level at the foot of the cross, and God wants to use whoever he wants for his glory and for his honor. Some of you really need to take this as a word of encouragement today, that God can use you, that he sees you, that he knows you, and you can be a leader. Some of you just needed permission. Some of you just needed an example. Some of you just needed to see that, hey, it doesn't matter your background or who you are or what culture or the world says. God's opinion is all that matters and you can lead. The second thing that we see in, in, in the story of Deborah is that God uses people who are faithful with the words that he gives them. God uses people who are faithful with the words that he gives them. In Judges 4, 6, it says, One day she sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, who lived in Kadesh in the land of Naphtali. She said to him, All right, let's just stop there. God gave her a word. He put a person on her mind, and he said, Hey, call this dude over. I got a word for him. Instead of God talking directly to Barak, God spoke through Deborah, this is something that we see all throughout Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament alike, that God will give somebody a word or God will give somebody a vision or God will put an impression on somebody's heart to go and do something for someone else. In the New Testament, God spoke to Paul, told him through a vision to go to Macedonia. God spoke to Peter and told him to go visit Cornelius. All over the place we see this happening. We see it happen. And so, once again, this isn't something new. We already read the prophecy in Joel that God's still speaking. He's gonna speak to all of us, and we need to be faithful with the words that he gives us. Now, can you imagine if Deborah would have ignored the word she had from the Lord? Story over, right there and then. If she would just said, ah, that must just be the pizza that I ate last night. You know, it couldn't be Barack. I mean, come on, I know that guy. God's not going to use him. Can you imagine? Years more of oppression would have happened. Instead of 20 years, it could have been 80. It could have been 100 until the next person that God spoke to actually followed through with the words that he gave them. Never take lightly when God puts a word in your heart. Now, it's a journey sometimes. You know, I thought I had a word from the Lord, and, and it just ended up being um, the pizza from last night. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just ended up being my emotions. And, but hey, 
be faithful to test it and to, to talk about it and to, to, to put it out there because sometimes God might have really have a word for you, for someone. Maybe it's a word of encouragement. Maybe somebody at work, man, they've been going through an incredibly hard time and you just felt God impressed upon you that, hey, why don't you just give them a little bit of a word of encouragement that you're praying for them, that you see them, that you're thinking about them, that you're here for them. And sometimes we're like, ah, oh, it's just too uncomfortable. It's too awkward. I, I, they, they don't respect me. They don't know me. They don't, well, who am I in their life? We give ourselves all kinds of excuses. I just want to encourage you today to follow the example of Deborah and be faithful to the words that God gives you. God is still speaking to you, to me. We need to listen. It was so cool to hear from my kids about how God was speaking to them at camp this last week. Literally just breaks my heart in a great way, like in the best way possible. That God is speaking to my kids. It's amazing. It's amazing to experience that. And so don't push it away. Let it in. What's even more amazing is when you see people follow and do what God speaks. You want to you wanna be a mature Christian? You want to be a mature man or a mature woman? Do what God says. Simple as that. It's one thing to hear. It's another to do. Jesus is really clear in the New Testament that when you're faithful with the small things in life, God's going to trust you with more. And so be faithful with the words that God gives you. The third thing that we see in the, in the life of Deborah is that God uses leaders to lead leaders who lead others. I know that's a, that's a mouthful a little bit, but that's how it works. God uses leaders to lead leaders who lead others. Judges 4, 6 through 7. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you. Call out 10,000 warriors from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun at Mount Tabor. And I will call out Sisera, commander of Jabin's army, along with his chariots and warriors to the Kishon River. There I will give you victory over him. So God didn't call Deborah to go and fight. He didn't call her to do everything. He called her to lead. And not just, you know, not just, you know, lead, lead something herself. No, she called, he called her to lead a leader. He called her to lead a leader. God gave Barak the leadership task to recruit cast vision, strategize, and lead 10,000 warriors. Can you imagine? That's a huge undertaking. It's huge. And in this one interchange, we see three leaders. We see God is leading Deborah and Brock. Deborah is leading Brock, and Brock is charged with leading 10,000 warriors. God is working behind the scenes. God says right here, hey, he's gonna call out Sisera, commander of Jabin's army, He's going to give the victory. God's going to do what only God can do. Deborah is providing this high-level leadership, and Barak is trusted with the details. The coolest thing is that everyone has their place in God's leadership structure, but God is Lord over it all. And so the question is, for you and for me, is are we being faithful to the leadership that God has placed in our hands? Are we submitting to the leaders in our life? Are we faithful to lead the leaders that God has placed in our life? Or are we just coasting through as comfortable as we can just because leadership is hard? And let me tell you what, leadership is hard. 
Leading leaders has been likened to um, herding cats. <laughs> it's really hard. Why? Because leaders have opinions, and leaders are stubborn, and leaders think they know it all. Trust me, I'm one of them, and sometimes I think I know it all, right? I'm one of the hardest people for other people to lead because I'm a leader. We gotta acknowledge that. But we gotta ask ourselves, where am I in this leadership structure? And am I doing what God has called me to do? Because that's just how God works. God uses leaders to lead leaders who lead others. The fourth thing that we see is that God uses willing people, but he honors the bold. God uses willing people, but he honors the bold. Judges 4, 8 through 10. Barak told her, I will go, but. Have you ever said that to God? Okay, God, I'll do what you're asking me to do, but. And it's like we throw in these conditions and we throw in these little caveats and, and we're like, but I want a new Corvette. You know, come on now. And, and we throw these things at God that it's like, we don't want to obey. We don't want to do what he's called us to do. And so that's kind of what Brock is doing here. I will go, but only if you go with me. Very well, she replied. I will go with you, but you will receive no honor in this venture, for the Lord's victory over Sisera will be at the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh, and at Kadesh, Barak called together the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali, and 10,000 warriors went up with him. Deborah also went with him. Now, I don't want to pick on Brock too much, but it's kind of like asking your mom to go with you to your first day of work, right? <laughs> you know, most of the time when you're getting dropped off at junior high, it's like, mom, stay in the car. Don't kiss me. Don't, don't yell out the car door at me. Just, hey, let me be, right? But Barack is like, no, I want you to come with me. And so it's just, it's, it's kind of an awkward exchange, right? And I just love Deborah. I mean, she's like unfazed. She's, she's like, very well, whatever, whatever you want. Hey, I'll go with you, but don't expect to get all the honor and glory from this. There's something to be said about being bold, about stepping into your God-given place of leadership and saying, hey, I'm ready. Now, I don't want to pick up Brock too much because there's, there's many times in Scripture where God leads a reluctant follower, it seems to happen over and over. I mean, from Moses to, um, to you, you could go on and on and on. Gideon, there's lots of them in Scripture. There's many times where God leads a reluctant follower. He's patient. And aren't you thankful for that? that, that and thank goodness we're all on a journey because even if you're, you're reluctant, you're, if you're a little afraid to do what God has called you to do, God still has grace in the process. And I just think that's so cool. But think about this. God just called Barak to get 10,000 guys with him. 10,000. So you're going to have 10,000 warriors with you, but he's concerned about Deborah being with him. And that just underlines this lady was a mover and shaker. She had influence. What does that tell us? It tells us that leadership really matters. It tells us that leadership is sometimes lonely. And that's why boldness is necessary. For some reason, he felt like he could not go and do what God has called him to do with that, without that leader in his life. And, and sometimes you do need that leader in your life walking next to you and, and propping you up. But at the same time, we see that God honors boldness and faith. 
Whenever someone come to, would come to Jesus in the New Testament in faith, it always made an impact, and it, it even surprised Jesus. You know, you think it would be hard to, uh, to surprise the creator of the, all the universe, the one that knows our thoughts and knows our heart and knows, our, knows everything. But man, when people came with, with great faith and great boldness, knowing that Jesus could do what, what he said he could do, Jesus was like, whoa, I've never seen so much faith in all of Israel. God wants you and I to come boldly and to have faith. And he honors it. Now, we don't have boldness so that we can receive honor. If, if that's what you're going for, you're missing the point. But so you could honor God. And in turn, God honors you. In a room like this, I'm positive that there are promptings of the Holy Spirit in people's lives that are being ignored because of a lack of boldness and a lack of courage. Maybe God's really putting it on your heart to serve kids or to serve in youth. Maybe God's putting it on your heart to pursue a leadership position, whether it's here or at work. Maybe God's putting it on your heart to step up and, and really lead your family spiritually. Maybe God's putting it on your heart to engage a need in the community, something that's just been bothering you and, and making you really discontented for a long time. Be bold. It's okay if you need to ask for a leader's help, obviously. We see it happen here, but be bold. Be bold. Step out and do and pursue what God has called you to do. Number four, we see that God always uses available people. God always uses, actually that's number five, sorry. God uses available people. So the, the, the story takes a turn. Right? The story takes a turn. They go into battle. God confuses, even made the, the river overflow. And so this plane that should have been really good for the chariots, for the iron chariots, can you imagine how heavy an iron chariot is? And so this plane that should have been really good for the chariots to run, all of a sudden it was wet and boggy. And so those chariots, they sunk in the mud. They couldn't go anywhere. And so uh, God throws the, the enemy army into confusion. The Israelites come down and just start winning big time. And so they're winning, and in the midst of all, Sisera, the, the, the enemy commander, he takes off running for his life. Because obviously God was on the side of the Israelites. And so we pick up in verse 17. It says, meanwhile, Sisera ran to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite, because Heber's family was on friendly terms with King Jabin of Hazor. Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, come into my tent. Come into my tent, sir. Come in. Don't be afraid. So he went into her tent and she covered him with a blanket. Please give me some water, he said. I'm thirsty. And you can imagine why he's been running <laughs> like crazy away from God's army. So she gave him some milk from a leather bag and covered him again. Stand at the door of the tent, he told her. If anybody comes and asks you if there's anyone here, say no. But when Sisera fell asleep from exhaustion, Jael quietly crept up to him with a hammer and a tent peg. This is where it gets real. I remember hearing the story as a kid, and I, my eyes were like this big, and I'm like, whoa. She creeps up to him with a hammer and a tent peg in her hand. Then she drove the tent peg through his temple and into the ground, and so he died. What in the world is going on here? Listen, 
when he, he told her, stand at the door and watch, that clued her in that he was on the run. That clued her in that if this enemy commander was on the run away from the Israelites, that Israel must be winning. And so she saw an opportunity. She saw an opportunity. She immediately recognized it. And instead of being afraid, instead of shaking in her boots that this enemy commander was in her house, she stepped up to the plate and did what she knew how to, knew how to do. She had probably set up that tent a hundred times or more. She probably knew how to drive a stake. She had been just doing what she was supposed to do for so long. And when the opportunity came, she just did what she knew how to do. Listen, you may not be in a position of leadership, but watch out. Opportunities come all around you all the time. The greatest mark of a leader on any level, even leaders that don't have titles, the greatest mark of a leader is seeing a need and filling a need without being asked. Students, write that down. You need to hear this. Right, parents? When they clean the room without being asked, that's, that's, a, that's a sign of a leader. Come on now. Listen, you want to do what you want to, you want to follow Jesus, see needs and fill needs without being asked. That's the mark of a leader. That's what leaders do. So let me just give you a little more context of how extraordinary this was that JL, a woman, stepped up and seized this opportunity. In her actions, Jael violated a series of fundamental social norms at this time. First of all, in offering hospitality to Sisera, she, she undercut her husband's exclusive right as a male to offer hospitality to another male. So from, from step one, she's stepping outside of the social norms. Number two, in killing Sisera, she violated the covenant between Heber and and Sisera, Sisera's superior, King Jabin. She knew that they were on friendly terms, and and so she went out, once again, she went outside the lines. And then number three, in killing Sisera, who had sought hospitality and protection in her house, she violated the fundamental rights of guests within that culture. Because just as in the Middle, Middle East today, in the ancient Near East, Um, hospitality towards guests and strangers represented one of the highest social values. Offering hospitality to a stranger or or a guest even superseded a man's responsibility for the well-being of his own children. So let's just put this into perspective. A stranger comes into your house and you only have so much food. Guess who gets the food? The stranger, not your kids. It just got real, right? And so JL knows all of this about her life and her culture and and where she is. She sees all these obstacles to pursuing the opportunity that God had placed in front of her. But instead of being fearful of that, she sees the opportunity, right? If you're like me, you might be thinking, why a tent peg? What in the world? The best that I can come up with is she did the best with what she had where she was at. And that's all God's calling you and I to do today. 
do the best with what you have where you're at. Trust God, follow your leaders, look for opportunities, say yes. She used what she already knew to lead and to seize the opportunity that was in front of her. Too many times we're more concerned with what we don't have and what we don't know. Have you ever been there? I don't know enough. I don't have enough skills. I, I this, I that. Our excuses are huge, right? What if you and I, we were just available? What if? What if we were just available? What if we were resourceful? What if we were bent towards action? What if when we saw a need, we filled the need without being asked? What if we took the example of these two ladies in this story and just said, God, however you want to use me, doesn't matter what I think of myself. It doesn't matter what the world thinks of myself. It doesn't matter what I look like or where I fit in, in society. God, you can use anyone, anywhere, at any time. So students, you're not too young. You're not too young. Some of our older um, uh, people here in the room, you're not too old. Some of you that are right in the middle of life, and, but you feel like things haven't worked out. Hey, God's not done with you yet. Come on. The principles remain the same. Now, once again, this week, if you follow Jesus, you're, um, you're probably not going to end up taking somebody's life, especially not in this way, in this story. Thank God we have a new covenant, and there's a new way of doing things, and we're not going to war, right? But the principles remain the same. Get this in your heart. God can use you. God is looking for people that he can trust with his words. God is looking for leaders who will lead others. God honors boldness. And we need to be available. We need to be available. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, at just the right time to die on a cross for you and for me. When the opportunity came to purchase your freedom, he didn't back down. He didn't shy away. He stepped up to the plate and said, I give my life for them. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God loved you. He gave himself for you. He didn't back down from the opportunity to show you how much he loved you. And so when we're faced with the challenges and the opportunities of life, don't let anything keep you from loving Jesus. If you could bow your heads and close your eyes today. Maybe you've been coming a while. Maybe you've been listening to messages. Maybe through a worship song. Maybe just, maybe just the Holy Spirit is working in your life today. And you say, Joe, I can't even explain it, but I know that God is calling me to come back to him today. Or maybe even to enter into a relationship with him for the first time. You hear Jesus calling your name right now. And, and he's saying, I love you. And I see you. And I got plans for your life. And you don't even understand it all, but, but for some reason, belief has started to creep into your heart today. And you believe that Jesus died for you on the cross. And you're believing that Jesus rose again on the third day, that he's alive. And, and you're believing that the same power that raised Christ from the dead can dwell in you. You're believing the good news, that God sees you and he loves you. And he's given everything to have a relationship with you. 
If that's you today and you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, I just want to give you that opportunity. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to invite you to raise your hand and say, Jesus, that's me. Here I am. I want to begin a relationship with you today. Amen. Anyone else? It says, here's my life, Lord. I want to follow you. I want to, if you want to call me to be a leader, I'll be a leader. God, if you want to call me to to be a follower, I'll be a follower. If you want to send me anywhere, I'll, I'll go. Here's my life. I want to decide to follow Jesus today. Amen. If you raised your hand, you could put it down and just pray a simple prayer just like this from your heart. You got to mean it. Just say, Jesus, here's my life. I give myself to you. I believe that you died on the cross and you rose again. I've realized that I'm a sinner and I need a savior. So forgive me, Jesus. I put my trust in you. Your word says that you can make me a new creation. And so I trust you to do that now. Help me, Lord, to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give those that gave their lives to Christ today a hand? Amen. Listen, we have a a bag, a gift bag for you if you give your life to Christ out in the lobby today. It has a Bible in it and some resources to get you started in your faith. Um, If you've given your life to Christ recently and you haven't got one of those, hey, you're more than welcome to drop by. Just say, hey, Joe said I could have a Bible and they'll get one in your hands today. Uh, But go ahead and stand with me. We're going to pray a closing uh, prayer together. And I'm gonna give you one more challenge. If you saw the story today, and man, you're thinking about Deborah, and you're thinking about JL, and, and you're thinking of all your excuses of why God can't use you, and you just wanna say, God, I wanna be available. I've realized you can use me. God, I wanna be bold. God, I wanna be faithful with the words that you give me. God, I wanna... I want to say, here am I, send me. In whatever area of, the lo- of your life that God is speaking to you about, if that's you today, as I pray this closing prayer, can you just raise your hand as a sign of commitment, saying, God, here I am, use me. Let's pray together. God, here we are. Here we are. And God, so many times we don't see ourselves as leaders and we might not have the boldness we need. God, help us to follow these amazing examples of scripture. God, it doesn't matter where we sit in society, God, we can be leaders for you. We can have influence. God, we can be people who listen to your voice and we're faithful to to speak it. Help us, Lord. Help us to not discount what you can do through us because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. You're greater, Lord. And so here we are. We give you our lives. We're available. Help us to be bold. God, we never want to put a lid on what you could do in our life. And so we want to keep growing and we want to keep surrendering and we want to keep saying, God, here we are. Help us to keep closing the gaps and become more like you. We need you more than anything in this life. And so God, we lay down our lives at your feet and we humbly ask you to use us. This week, Lord, when we see an opportunity, help us to seize it. Help us to be available. Help us to not be so distracted. Help us to just step up and let you use us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us for today's message. We look forward to having you back next week.